It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment to watch any TV show they choose. We watch it, we talk about it, and we talk about a bunch of other bullshit. Today, my very special guest is Brian Foss from the legendary and greatest improv group ever, The Law Firm, in New York City at UCB Theater every Friday night at 10.30, starring Craig Rowan. (laughs) (laughs) And he's also just finished shooting uh, an indie movie called The Art Thieves in Brooklyn that'll be out some... It'll be out in 2013. That's why I said it'll be out, just dot, dot, dot. Because you never know. In theaters or maybe DVD, Blu-ray, downloadable. Or just, you know, maybe straight to, it'll be, you can download it. On demand is where the future is. Yep. You'll be able to download it to your contact lenses because it'll be so futuristic. That's where we're headed. Um, So, welcome, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Very excited. I, I didn't pick my favorite, I realize now based on your intro that I feel like this might seem like it's my favorite episode of any tv show no everybody from now on will only link you to this tv show and it says everything about your personality (laughs) no that's not true you do not have to pick your favorite tv show when you come on this show (laughs) so what did what show did you decide to to watch so i picked a a show i saw on hbo family on my d like on the grid on my time warner cable grid called the Sissy Duckling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is that? Can you curse on this? You can say hell, but you can't say anything. Yes. What was- the heck is that? And so I I DVR'd it right away, like you do. And I watched like the first 15 minutes. And I couldn't believe it. It's this uh, cartoon, uh, family-friendly cartoon about uh, kind of like a, a modern-day fairy tale. What would happen if your son was Harvey Firestein? <laughs> That's the synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> what happened if your son is Harvey Firestein? Yeah. So it's a 1999 cartoon, and it's part of like HBO's uh, series from the 90s called Happily Ever After Fairy Tales for Every Child. For Every Child. So what that means is basically, I looked this up very quickly on Wikipedia from a link that you sent me and sort of skimmed across it. But it's basically updated fairy tales that incorporate sort of different ethnicities and and more contemporary things that any kid would be able to um, right. relate to. Like an African-American Jack and the Beanstalk or a Rumpelstiltskin that takes place in the West Indies or um, basically just going through every nationality possible. And this episode... The Sissy Duckling is a was a very special episode because it was actually a children's book written by Harvey Firestein, the comic icon. Yeah, if you if you don't know who that is, um, have you ever seen Mrs. Doubtfire? Because he's the one that makes the makeup for uh, Robin Williams. Have you ever seen Independence Day? He is one of the characters that i can't exactly remember he's the alien that will smith punches in the face <laughs> and, and says, says welcome to get he doesn't welcome to earth craig he says get off get off my planet oh wait maybe he welcomes I it in he a sarcastic says, he doesn't way. say get off my planet i think i'm confusing will smith with harrison ford in air force one yes get off and, my plane planet yeah you add a t to every uh like famous line so get off my plane turn it to get off my planet <laughs> um but harry firestein is also like a uh, gay activist and he's written like a ton of plays and he's the forefront of all that stuff. And he's, uh, but most importantly, he was in Mrs. Outfire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I feel like he was in, um, what's that movie with Robin Williams and Nathan Lane? Mrs. Doubtfire, the birdcage, <laughs> the birdcage. He's, I don't think he was in that, but you think he is. He's, and you he, are like, wondering he, who Harvey Firestein is. He's not Bruce Valanche. But he's very close. Right. He has a voice like this. Right? That's like a pretty yeah. good... Um, he's like Jim Santangeli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So this uh, this is kind of a very special episode where it's the Ugly Duckling story. Right. Uh, but it's um, voiced, written and voiced by Harvey Firestein. And we also... We looked up on IMDb and it sort of has a incredible... Incredible cast. Incredible. Um, why, don't we, why don't you read off some of the people in this? 
All right, some of the voice actors in this uh, are very famous, or at least were very famous in the 90s. Andy Dick. Hello, News Radio. Melissa Etheridge. Hello. Come to my window. Harvey Firestein. Hello, Mrs. Doubtfire. Estelle Getty. Rest Gold, in peace. Golden Girls. Yep. I actually forgot which old lady she was for a second. She's one of the three old ladies. Yeah, she's, she's Sophia. Just kidding. Uh, Debbie Mazer. I think she is Sophia. She was Sophia, yeah. She yeah. was, yeah, Debbie, Debbie Mazer. Entourage. Kathy Najimy from Veronica's Closet. A.K.A. Hocus Pocus. A.K.A. Sister Act. And I think the best on here, the narrator, is voiced by Sharon Stone. Don't know who that is. Okay. Can't name a credit. Um, so, and why did you pick, I mean, this is, <laughs> why did this, uh, interest you so much that you, that, why did this stand out to you? Well, I, it stood out to me because I wondered what families actually are going to watch this with their kids, sit down and, and watch this, uh, this, this story and this whole series in general seems like kind of like human secular liberal church mm-hmm. where I can see families sitting down and having to, forcing their kids to watch these kind of multi-culty um, fairy tales. And I just wondered. I was like, I didn't grow up this way at all. I, When I watched the first 15 minutes of this, I couldn't imagine showing my kids this. <laughs> Even the word sissy seems like you're almost teaching kids the word. Like, I don't think we grew up with this word sissy. Yeah, no, that's very like 1950s. Yeah. Um, but I guess it is bridging the gap a little bit from ugly to like but he i mean it's like this is another realistic yeah i don't know it's yeah it's yeah like, it's like using it's like giving kids more words to make fun of kids yes with. it's like the dandy duckling and if the nelly the nelly goose if you watched this and mentioned it to classmates they'd also probably make fun of you because of the, <laughs> the name of it so pretty yeah. much this is this existing is 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 Ruining kids' lives. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, it probably... It's one of these things that it's critically acclaimed, but which critics... And it's it's award-winning. I think it won some awards, yeah. Yeah. But I've I'd never heard of it, and I don't know if it matters if people have seen this. Yeah, I'm interested, because obviously I think it's um, Harvey Firestein is the fact that he wrote this book, and I'm sure tons of kids have read it. I'm sure it's like a, a good thing that parents like. Yeah. And I'm interested to see it has a lot of star power, but I wonder like in general, I mean, I remember the shows that I watched when I was a kid that were like sort of educational and stuff, but they always feel very sort of cheese ball and right. uh, like ham fisted. So I'm interested just to see also take also, I don't think like uh, at least when I was a kid, I don't remember any shows, educational things that really dealt with like, gay like being gay right you know so i so that's I, the thing is i'm glad this exists yeah. but just because it exists doesn't mean it's quality te- yeah television i'm interested to see how they deal with it i don't yeah. know i've never yeah i guess i've never quite seen seen i've never learned anything as a kid right you never learned a single thing <laughs> i don't i don't know how to- well it's kind of like those morals i remember being a like in first grade and they would have those morals at the end of the G.I. Joe episodes. Oh, yeah. It was always about fire safety, but even those seemed like a total joke. Oh, yeah. Well, that you would like watch the first 20 minutes, 21 minutes of the show, and you'd be like, yeah, they're shooting at each other. And then you'd be like, oh, this part sucks. <laughs> what about a smoke detector? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it just felt like total bullshit. Kids know. Kids know when something, because even parents, when they're lecturing, tur- turn on a voice. And I have a feeling this entire thing will be in that like parental voice where parents are like, blah, 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 go clean your room. You know, the thing about cleaning your room, <laughs> I just want to, can you, can you sit down with me for one second? Put it, the toy down. I need to have a talk. It's the, it's like, I think the difference is it's like between wanting to like say something uh, like uh, when you're for the people probably writing that part of the episode, when you're writing the GI Joe, like shoot him up part, you're like, yeah. And you're like, and then we have to write this other part. <laughs> it's like, nobody's ever going to make it good. We like, have to write the part about telling kids not to climb into abandoned refrigerators. That's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, but it's like, uh, yeah. So Harvey Firestein decided to do this. He needed to in his heart. So let's see, let's see what he, his heart came up with. Great. Let's, let, 
and let's see Sharon Stone narrate it for us. Yeah, well, you're not going to see her. She's a voice. I don't know what a narration is. Let's explain it. Explain it off mic to me. <laughs> Your lips are... Ugh. Ew, that's not... I guess I don't know what explaining is either. All right, let's check it out. Look who we've got here. Yeah. Look who we got here. Good morning, gentlemen. What? Oh, oh, oh. Where do you think you're going? To my school. Who said it was your school? Huh? Yeah. Huh. If you'll excuse me. Maybe I don't want to excuse you. Maybe I don't want no sissies in my school. I am no sissy. I'm no sissy. <laughs> yeah, no sissy. I'm a real duck because I learn and I listen and I'm true to myself. Who handed you that line? My mama. <laughs> You see, I'm unique and perfectly me. I'm cute as a bug, don't you know? When they made me, they stomped on the mold. I am so beautiful. I'm a vision the way I am. Yes, I'm sassy, you better believe. Cause there's no one exactly like me. I shimmer like a snowflake But honey, I'm hotter than hot You wait until I'm all grown up You'll never believe what I got All right, we just uh, we just watched Happily Ever After, colon, Fairy Tales for Every Child Slash the Sissy Duckling Yeah, 53 minutes, it felt like 5,300 minutes Yeah, that was... Um, I mean, to be fair, I feel like watching any children's programming would probably feel very long. I, I that was, I mean, but that was pretty unbearable. It was brutal. I what's weird is the best children's stuff, like all the Pixar stuff, is made for kids. But there's like jokes for adults. Right. This was made for. It seems like it was almost like made for adults, but had no sense of humor to it. I mean, here's my. I think the main thing. Is obviously Harvey Firestein wrote this. Yes, he should have had the foresight to be like maybe somebody else should play the main character because the the sissy duckling in it, the titular character, doesn't seem like a feminine little boy. He seems like a sixty five year old crotchety old Jewish grandmother who yeah. smokes a carton of cigarettes a day. Yeah, it's um, like Andy Dick was one of the characters, and he plays a really dumb character that just like duh, like that type. Of, and I, hearing his voice, I was like, oh, he should play the main character. Like he's a little effeminate, you know, but like he's and he has like a animated voice, and right. he sounds like a kid. He sounds young. Like yeah. when you're think when I watch it, I, like this was there were moments that I think were nice. Like yes. there were moments, but. The overall thing was, like, if you're trying to teach kids about being different and being a sissy, like, I don't think the average, quote-unquote, sissy kid or, like, effeminate boy. Nancy boy. Nancy boy. What else? What do we got? (laughs) Um, Sounds like Harvey fucking Firestein. Like, like it's such – it's so – Jarring. Jarring that it's like, wait, is this – is the thing that the kid is an old woman? Like, it's not (laughs) – And he's – it's kind of like is – being a is a kid that is really sarcastic. Does that mean? Yeah, he's just really witty and like, yeah, he's, he's smarter than everyone. He knows baseball, stupid. He puts on really good feminist puppet shows that are a huge hit with all the girl ducks. It's confusing. I especially it seems like this is geared towards like kindergarten to third grade. Yes, and you know some of the stuff tracks for me. Like you know, he doesn't play sports. He would rather play indoors i guess and they really go on and on about how he's different he's unique like every snowflake and all this kind of stuff but the voice kills it yeah it really does. it ruins it and i feel like i mean so let's give like a just a basic i guess plot synopsis sure. of it so 
It opens on um, three mothers having, or is that how it starts with the three mothers? Yeah, having the babies. One of the babies. No, it starts with snowflakes falling. Oh yeah, and 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 Craig said, "I think some of those are stars of David." Yeah, well, I said Jewish stars, but you did the full. I feel like I can't call them Jewish stars. <laughs> yes, you're not allowed to. Um, yeah, and and well, they explain in kind of a patronizing way. Sharon Stone is the narrator, and it's a very lazy voiceover. Well, her, she. You, I feel like if you're doing this, is specifically a fairy tale. Like, you should do it in a voice that's like... Once upon a time. Yeah, like, have a little bit of a flourish. It's just trying to sound being like, every snowflake's different. I mean, she doesn't sound like... No, she actually says, in kind of like, we all know snowflakes are different, and I'm sure you've heard it a million times, that each one is unique. And she's kind of saying it like, we we already know that snowflakes are different. If I was... When you're six, you might not know that. It might be worth making it a little magical. Yeah, it's just a little too sarcastic. The whole thing thing is very 90s. It's very like 90s sitcom. Like, It's very Deborah Mazur. It's very Chandler Bing. It's very Joey Fatone. (laughs) Joey Fatone, who is technically working his way up the NSYNC ranks in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He was huge. The fat one. Um, So then, yeah, uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, Sharon Stone (laughs) describes it, uh, how you know that every snowflake's individual. And then we see – oh, no. And then it starts on on Elmer, which is the main character, doing a puppet show and and her saying that he's different. And he goes, I'm unique. I'm not different. I'm unique. So he's already (laughs) breaking the fourth wall before the thing even starts. Yeah, and you're like, what? And he's doing a puppet show, and then it flashes back to three babies, three ducks being born. One is the really jock one that has a crew cut. One's the brain damaged one. That's <laughs> Andy. Uh, Andy Dick. His identity is stupid. Yeah, stupid. Which is like just as acceptable as being gay. <laughs> yeah, very. His tongue hangs out of his mouth. Very PC. Very <laughs> PC. And then, um, and then Harvey Firestein's character Elmer does not want to come out of his shell literally his duck shell and the mother says what's going on in there and he goes i'm weighing my options oh <laughs> first of all don't know what it means second of all just disturbing <laughs> it's really disturbing hearing harvey firestein's voice coming out of i mean he might as well be like i'm i'm macrameing in here oh <laughs> oh yeah so- he's not even born yet so they make it very clear that elmer is um is a different kind of duck. He he wears like a little vest with flowers on it during art class. Yeah, but it's interesting because the way that they show he's different, some of them make sense. Like some of them are – but this one doesn't. In art class, his whole thing is that he doesn't want – she's like – They're finger painting. Is like, yeah, they're sort of finger painting and, and, he, and he wants to sort of stay clean with a brush. Like, so he's a little OCD. A little, maybe a little, but a I little don't think – A little persnickety. But I think uh, I think that fits. I guess it does. I don't know if it. I, I maybe it fits, but I don't think if I was a kid, I'd understand that. No. You know what I mean? I feel like it'd just be like, oh, he likes painting with a brush. I don't know. It's confusing. It's a little confusing. And then we see the baseball game. The baseball game, and uh, his father makes him play baseball, and he doesn't catch a ball. He doesn't try. He gives some very s- sassy um, uh, Harvey Firestein lines. Um, and he tells everyone on the baseball team that they should all get a real hobby, like stamp collecting. Or monster truck? That was definitely like a note from HBO from above that was like, we don't want it to be all antiquing jokes. <laughs> we should throw in one thing. Like That's basically the, my biggest problem with it is that they should just accept the fact that at this age, like the gay's stuff is like a gender thing, you know? Yes. He, should, he shouldn't get along with any of the boys – boy ducks he should only get along with the girl ducks or whatever you know yeah like well i think they and then they sort of do that with so he he can't play he doesn't want to play baseball he's not good he's not interested and then he goes and does a puppet show for the girls and he's a hit with among the girls right and actually it's a feminist puppet show right (laughs) which is a boy character says he's in charge of the girl puppet and the girl says i'm fine with that not and it's huge a poor huge laugh the wings were flapping in the audience that night. Just a note that I did in elementary school. I have a shirt, a white shirt that on the back said not, <laughs> but it said not dot, dot, dot. What did the front say? Hey, man, it didn't say nothing. 
my mouthpiece. I'd say something, and then I'd turn around and be like, not. Um, but when I did look up this on Wikipedia, it did say, I think it says here, um, each episode details a classic fairy tale, but in the style of greatly different cultures or with feminist leanings. Oh. But then it says citation needed, which means that that's not <laughs> definitive. But right. I'd say that this does have uh, – that that his puppet show had feminist leanings for sure. Yeah. Basically, this whole series, whether it's Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty, uh, which Cinderella is Mexican, Sleeping Beauty is Hispanic, Princess and the Pea is – it looks like Korean, Snow White is Southwestern United States, which I guess is American Indian. Um, they basically ran out of ethnicities – after 40 episodes of this and we're like, well, we got to do a gay one. We got to go gay. And they made it a 53 minute special episode. I'd say that this was the most, the, the most notable moments of the show that I thought really worked were with the father. Yes. Ed Asner. And, uh, after the baseball game, ever all the pa- parents and all the kids are sort of making fun of him for the, mm-hmm. um, not the, playing along the puppet show and not playing along. And then the uh, dad comes back and says, everybody called him a sissy. And then he basically says, um, I think I might've written it down, but he says, he basically says that he is a sissy. He's not my, like he, he says something like, I'm not proud of him. He's doing it wrong. The mom's right. saying like, you should have stood up for him. And she's, and he's like, they're right. He is a sissy. Right, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. But they don't say that. They wouldn't because say that because they're ducks. Be really confusing. <laughs> this is the problem with allegories. Sometimes, if, yeah. Well, there is. That's the other. Yeah, there's. It's so, hard to tell who's an adult in this world and who's also, a kid. Part of me the whole time was like, now I understand it's a children's thing, but the making of ducks just made it a little confusing. It, it could, I guess, it, can it just be humans? Like, can can you do a fairy tale? That's but just, it is the ugly duckling, right? So, so, so Melissa Etheridge in a, in a very sweet scene, but incredibly confusing. <laughs> she sits down with Elmer. She's uh, Elmer's mother, Melissa Etheridge, '90s icon, Lilith Fair, pioneer. Hello, feminist leanings. She sits down and says and explains to Elmer what sissy even means, which I think is something that's probably. She says it's you know when anyone calls you a name, they're just trying to hurt your feelings. They're being cruel. But she says it doesn't mean anything. It's just a word. And it's like, well, that's not really true. So he, he says, but really, what is sissy? Mom, what are they calling me? And well, she, she says – She says, wait. She says it's not ju- – it's just a word and it doesn't say anything about the person. It only says something about the person saying it and it says that they're mean or they're a bad person. Okay. Which that's confusing. It is confusing. Because it's a specific name that they're calling. Yeah, him. he's. They're not. Call- it's still mean. Yes, but the subtext is a a real thing. Yeah, the subtext is you're gay, like you're <laughs> you're the gay kid or something, right? Yeah, and like so that's where. So it's she's not like it's like stereotypes are like not that they're not right, but not every stereotype is this is the same. It's not like so. So she's basically saying, oh, it literally means nothing. Yeah. And then, and then she, and then, she and then says, she explains. So, a sissy is someone who uh, isn't a real duck, who doesn't act like a real duck, who doesn't stand up for himself. Which actually isn't what Elmer is at all. From the very beginning, he's even arguing with the disembodied voice narrator of Sharon Stone. Like he's yes. actually incredibly stubborn. It doesn't make sense. They should have just said because you act like a girl duck. Yeah, and you don't play with the boys you don't like the boys stuff people so it's not like yeah it should just be a little more clear about that and i think they if they did it wouldn't be like i don't i i don't know why they were they shying away from it because i don't know what i think you know maybe it's politically incorrect to say like because of like a gay kid i mean i think that's a stereotype or that's maybe not it's not right but if you say like likes girly things at least pretty accurate it, i mean it's, it's an not indicator even if it's not true even if it's not all the way it's not true right. like 100 percent. like it's something that a kid can understand like oh it's like that like it's a kid who sort of uh might play with dolls or yeah, exactly yeah so uh 
The next day at school, Elmer. Oh wait! Before the next day oh. at school, he has a dream sequence. And- <laughs> oh yeah, I bl- I blacked it out. Well, you I blacked it out. You meant you went to the bathroom during it and told me not to uh, pause it. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like they changed the animation so it looked like a laser show version. It was black. It was like the, everything was black except for the outlines around the characters, and it was Dionne Warwick singing a oh. song called "Time Takes Time." We forgot to tell you that Dionne Warwick is featured in the cast credits in the yeah. beginning. Hello, that's Whitney Houston's aunt? Question mark. Can't confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> but she sings this boring song time and shows. Time takes time. Time takes time. Don't even quite know what that means, and uh, it shows Elmer and his mom flying and learning to fly, and he's trying to grow up, and he's basically having a duck wet dream of some sort yeah it doesn't really and then it, the the imagery is of uh, the art teacher shows in books says like i can do it or like yes i can or something like that and then he writes like i can and i will yeah i think the dream sequence is a missed opportunity to actually show something more traumatizing that was elmer's fear of like getting beat up or whatever but oh wait the gay bashing happens later yes wait for there, it and there is gay bashing don't, if you're listening, waiting for the gay bashing, it's coming up. Stay tuned for the gay bashing in three We'll minutes. be back with a bunch of gay bashing in five, four, three, two. <laughs> gay bash. Um, so, yeah, Elmer has this dream sequence. Dionne Warwick's song, beautiful. This Her Gorgeous. voice is beautiful. The song's very boring. So he gets this uh, confidence and goes to school the next day. And this is when it finally starts seeming like a gay kid story. He's getting bullied. They're calling him a sissy. They're actually imitating him. It starts to make sense. Yes. This is when it gets real. And I think my favorite part of this whole thing was then Elmer gets this idea that he's going to sing a song to show them how cool he is. Mm-hmm. And I think every, anyone who's, who did grow up maybe different, gay or straight, had had this moment where they had this idea like, <laughs> I'm going to wear – white cargo pants to school. Wait, That'll is be that cool. From, is that from <laughs> no, your no, no. But you get this idea where you're, you're like, like, I'm going to show them that I'm unique and I, I'm, I'm confident. I'm going to sign up for the talent show and I'm going to do something. So Elmer basically performs a song called I'm Hot. I think we'll just say that. That the was the first is. lyric. <laughs> yeah. So I'm fine with calling it I'm yeah. Hot. I'm Hot. And it's him prancing around singing I'm Hot and I'm cool and I'm myself and all this I'm kind of unique. stuff. I'm unique. I'm unique. Basically, it was his, like, first drag performance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was an empowering anthem. But during that, I'm pretty sure that the mean duck punches him in the nuts or something. (laughs) But instead of getting hurt, it pushes him onto the swing. Like a swing, like, attached to a tree, and he continues singing. I was proud of Elmer during that moment because we've all had, like, a heckler or two, and if you give them... The stage, it's over. But he kept his song but going. But if you let them punch you in the dick and you parlay that into being on a swing. Wait, I have to ask you, uh, did you ever have an experience like that, like confidence-wise, where you're like, yeah, I'm going to show you, motherfuckers. And then you're like, oh, God, I should not have done, I should not have done this. Uh, I mean, I remember doing like the fifth grade talent show. Uh-huh. And I wrote a sketch that was ripping completely off of all the – sketch characters I loved on TV uh-huh. from like Mad TV and Kids in the Hall and Saturday Night Live and I played the f- the teacher's pet that was a full on just like gay wad uh-huh. so it was a the, the sketch was a classroom this is my brilliant idea the sketch was a classroom there was a teacher and then all the students that each came in were a different hilarious character so there was Homie the Clown one of my friends was Homie yes. the Clown. Yes. And he had a sock, and it was. I asked the one black kid in my class to do that. And he was like, Homie, don't play that. Yeah. But and I there, will. There was another kid who was Bart Simpson, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I just. He had Bart Simpson's catchphrases. I just. It was. I ripped apart everything. And then I was. I guess I don't know what. Maybe mine was the most original of the characters. But I came skipping in with a basket full of apples, and I was like a suck-up. So I think I was like, you want to make fun of me? I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> I'm going to give you more ammo. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny, so it didn't matter. People you liked know. it. Yeah. So people liked it. 
Yeah, it worked. It worked way better than, I'm hot. You gotta love it. Oh, even you doing an imitation of it <laughs> makes me cringe. There are so many moments. That's the other thing. We'll get back to the plot in a minute. But there are other moments like with the father when he was saying the thing about like sort of I want to disown my son or like he's not a real man. I was like, oh my god, this is really touching. And this is like something that seems powerful. And I think a kid would even understand what's going on. Like, to have your dad say something like that. I mean, yeah. nothing could be more traumatic. It's heartbreaking. And, and then the second that Harvey Firestein's character opens his mouth, I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> like, because Yeah, there's this touching under- scene. Elmer, the character, has, like, water, tears, you know, filling up in his eyes. And he's like, Papa, <laughs> me. You don't love me. It's like, where did he get this voice? Oh, God. Casting nightmares. Um, <laughs> so so after Elmer sings the I'm unique song, I'm hot, then um, then the uh, art teacher comes outside and I'm like, what's going on? You're making Who's making fun of who? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. They're all in trouble after. School. And that's Sophia from Golden Girls. And she's actually the only character that's a different species in this. They're all ducks, Wait, but she's she? a goose, I think. Is she another type of duck? I honestly have no idea. I don't see animal species. I don't see animal species, and I don't think even if she was, that is notable. (laughs) (laughs) Totally not worth mentioning. I don't know why you brought that up. No, but she does wear, she also does wear a A Mother Goose bonnet. Mother Goose cap. Oh, so Mother Goose, and maybe that does. She was invoking Mother Goose. She was invoking Mother Goose. Anyway, so she is terrible at preventing this bullying from happening. She gets. She gives them all detention when she catches them picking on Elmer, and then just gives them a perfect opportunity to beat the crap out of him after school. Yeah. So he's walking past the lockers. They pull him into a locker. The bad. The bad boys. The bad ducks. And they beat the shit out of him. And he has the next scene. He has a bandage on his head. A black eye. He's in bed. He's sick. It's straight up gay bash. He was hate crimes. He was hate crimes. And. Here's the other thing. I feel like time takes time. <laughs> Is that what you're going to sing? Papa? <laughs> um, I feel like – so there are moments in that. Like that's a really another powerful moment. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons, total tangent, why the, the most recent anti-bullying campaign was such a success. And this was almost 15 years later after this movie existed is because it was less about one, one kid being a sissy or one kid being uh, overweight or specific. It was just more that bullying in general right. is bad. And that is something that is easier to teach that picking on anyone, you know, I, I, isolating anyone and call, you know, calling anyone out like that is, is traumatizing. Did you see that movie bully? I did. The documentary? God. Oh, wait. The documentary? Yeah. I thought oh, you were no, talking not about... That, not the... the uh... Nick um, or Brad Renfro movie? Yeah. With, did Mike White write that or something? I don't know. That one's hard to watch. I didn't watch that. But this movie, Bully, the documentary that came out last year, yikes. Yeah. It is serious. So, obviously, not that we even have to make this disclaimer, but obviously, the re- the reality that this cartoon is trying to fight against <laughs> needs you know is is a worthwhile cause yes yeah no no totally it's but that the 90s version of it is so politically correct and it feels so dated already i know it feels really dated and they, i feel like they have the opportunity after he's beat up to like sort of talk about that a little bit of like that's a fucking like that's assault that's a mm-hmm. like that's a serious thing but they don't they they sort of the next part then they just add this other really negative thing which is that the dad totally disowns him like literally mm-hmm. it's like he's not my son after he gets beat up so and the mother like I think I remember I sort of blocked the whole thing out of my mind already <laughs> but she stands up for Elmer yeah but there's never a thing of like our son was just like beat up they never talk to the other parents yeah, yeah there's I mean I guess it is a kids thing but there's something about that that's like. So thrown under the rug. And part of the reason is now this is when the plot really kicks into overdrive. Elmer runs away from home. He climbs out of his window. He becomes essentially like a teen runaway. And he even says, I'm going to go somewhere where people accept me for who I am. And Craig and I both were like, that's New Duck City. Yeah, it's like the lower duck side. That's where he's got to go. But 
He doesn't. He just basically hides in high grass. Yeah. Right? right? And it happens to coincide with all the ducks leaving town to go fly south for the winter. And his parents fly south and leave him behind because they can't find him. Yeah. And uh, when they fly south, hunters start shooting a bunch of the ducks. Elmer's father gets shot and falls down. uh, And Elmer runs to him and is like, Papa? And uh, and And like... And Ed Asner is like, leave me. That's what a real duck would do. Leave me. And he goes, no, no, no. And he picks him up. Oh, wait. Oh. He picks him up, brings him into his like special tree house. Yeah, that he, that's their home. I think. Oh, that's their home. Yeah. And uh, rejuvenates him yeah. over the course of the winter and basically gains back his father's love because he saved his life. And he and he shows him puppet shows. And- I love this sequence. I love any movie around plot point two that's a... Uh, montage Mm -hmm. this is my favorite part (laughs) and and the elmer's dad literally says like where did you learn how to do all these great things which is you know all these great gay hospitality tricks he makes grass soup gay hospitality tricks he's like got a candle by the bedside and the dad's like where'd you learn that and he's like i taught myself and he puts on like a puppet show for him and like it's all basically it's etheridge album (laughs) it's like He's like, where? I'd have never taught you how to make a nice bed and breakfast. And he's like, yeah, it's in my blood. I'm gay, Dad. He didn't say that. Yeah, they never say the word gay. They never say thing. the word gay. Then, cut to the end of the winter. The rest of the the ducks come back. The mother, by the way, thinks that both of both Elmer and her husband are gone or mm-hmm. dead. And we don't know if they're married technically because we don't know how ducks. They just mate. Yeah. But they, you know what? In this, they couple. They stay together. They live together. The dad has an armchair. He says stuff like sissy. So it's a very 1950s version of home. There's one other thing that Ed Nasner said that was like, that's very old school. Like, I forget what he said, but it was very like, like leave it to beaver type type lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but when they get back, the, the, book, the, the jock uh, duck is like, we need to... We made it back, yeah, but we need to remember our loved ones that were lost, like Ira, what was it? Shirley, Pablo, Elmer, they think Elmer died. Right. Basically, they list off every New York <laughs> New York City name they possibly could yeah, have. It was like the the Broadway musical theater cast list. The, rent, the rent cast. Yeah. Um, and then when they say the name Elmer... This is where the the closest thing to a gay thing is where and uh, he says Elmer and then Andy Dick's character says, oh, yeah, Elmer, he's such a fruit. Yeah. Which I think is more of – I feel like that I relate to gay more than like sissy, right? I mean I yeah. feel like that's more – at least a little Who more knows? contemporary. I yeah. don't know. Who knows? And he goes, no, he wasn't a fruit. He was a sissy. Then everybody starts laughing about the dead – the duck that they think is dead. Yeah. That's a sissy. And then the dad comes back and says, if he's a sissy, I want to be a sissy too. I'd be happy to call myself a sissy yeah, too. Because he's, he's, you know, twice the duck you'll ever be. The word duck, I think, replaces the word man in this, even though a man duck is a... Mallard? A mallard, and a female duck is a daisy? No. Daisy duck? Daisy duck. <laughs> one's a Donald and one's a daisy. <laughs> All I know is in every single duck show ever, they there's somebody named Drake. Is Drake a type of duck, I guess? I think he's half black, half Jewish. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then everybody learns a lesson that, that Elmer right. is good. Elmer's great. He's good at cooking. He's good at nursing people back to health. He's good at entertaining people in the winter. Basically, they, they realize that there's good qualities to not being the aggressive jockey type that that like the feminine or the you know this is i guess where the feminist angle comes in but like the feminine qualities are actually just as brave if not more brave you know and i think basically as you were sort of describing he he more or less should run a bed and breakfast like that's (laughs) that's what it comes down to is that elmer he saved the family business um, They're gonna have, their treehouse was going to have to foreclose. Exactly. And in those economical times of 1999, uh, he kept the family together. I don't yeah. know. I think it, was, it wasn't it was terrible. I mean, Harvey Firestein's voice, I mean, obviously he's a talent. <laughs> but 
him as a as a kid like makes no sense. Very confusing, I think. Yeah, and it isn't until the very end that they finally own up to this like grand metaphor where Elmer, the character, goes like, you know what? I just want to remind you. I'm the same duck I was before. He says, I'm a big sissy and I'm proud of it. And that's like, someone should have said that a little earlier because at the whole time, everyone's saying, you're not a sissy, you're not a sissy. Being a sissy means you don't stand up for yourself. But he is a it's it's a slippery signifier, Craig. Okay, thank you. It gets real slippery. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess it is. T- I don't remember. Do you remember when you were a kid? Like specific shows or like special special episode type things that actually you learned from that. Like yeah, read the line. Really there was well. a thing called um, the Voyage of the Mimi. Oh, I watched that too, and it, we watched it in fifth grade. Was Ben Affleck in that? Wasn't I think somebody... he was the little blonde boy. He yeah. had yeah, and I remember there was. Wait, I just remembered the theme song. Can you sing it? I, it was a tune. It wasn't. I might be able to. I think that was it. Something like that. Yeah. Wow, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah, it's like ingrained, and that's also like an age where you're able to memorize. Like when you're 11, you can memorize every athlete, every comic I, book character's middle name. I still probably once a week remember a different song I learned in elementary school yeah. that I is just in the deep recesses of my brain. Yeah, um, I wish but, I had that memory power. But anyway, yeah, Voyage of the Mimi. I remember they had a Voyage of the Mimi one and a Voyage of the Mimi two, which was like a sequel. But I remember in the first one there was a deaf character. Yes, I remember. And it was a really big deal that I think the main boy who might have been Ben Affleck was attracted to the the deaf. She was maybe a teenager, older teenager, uh, attracted to the woman who was deaf, and it was a big deal. They had sign language. It was very, very PC. But that was the main message was like just because someone's different doesn't mean you treat them less than. And and then they. <laughs> I remember being old enough to know this was kind of cheap. In the Voyage of the Mimi, Return to Voyage of the Mimi or Return to the Mimi Part 2, the sequel, they tried to recreate that magic. Right. And they had a an amputee character. And the kid had another crush. But this time she had, was missing a, one of her legs from the knee down. And my friends and I, I remember making fun of him because we were like, he's got a thing for women with disabilities and we used to go stump stump like during so maybe the reason i don't relate to the sissy duckling is because i was a horrible bully you were the asshole bully. <laughs> but i i remember it's because as a fifth grader as like an 11 year old i saw through the the, the you, teaching right. the preachy you know moral i remember that I guess we saw Voyage of the Mimi in pieces, but I remember one part with the deaf girl where she hears the vibrations like through through a like banister or like through a railing on the boat. Oh yeah. So basically what is it? That they're all working on a boat, they're taking a voyage. Oh yeah, Voyage of the Mimi, I think is like a remember when we were kids, dolphins and whales and saving them was like a big deal. Yes. And then nine eleven happened and everyone forgot about that. Everybody was like, Let's murder terrorists. That's yeah. that became We got bigger fish to fry. And we can fry any fish now, including dolphins. That's so I think they were on like an an ecological voyage right. to learn about marine wildlife. And there was people from all different walks of life on the boat. So it was kind of a precursor to the real world, maybe. <laughs> a little bit of a stretch. It's like well, semester think- at sea, but there's like kids who haven't hit puberty yet and kids who right. have well i think irene was in season two of voyage of the Mimi, yeah and she had um lyme's disease yeah got slapped in the face by that other guy by steven, steven. who was a dolphin right <laughs> he a, slapped her with his fin but he was also he was in one of the towers <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry uh, no I, but yeah it's like um it's funny though because often kids who are different and this is it's hard to say say this, but often they are mean themselves. Hmm. You know, like when you're watching the sissy duckling, and 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 when I think about shows like it, often the spunky kid or the kid that's different is is way meaner, and maybe it's because he's smarter and has better comebacks. You know, hmm. but in this, like he was like he walked into the, everyone's baseball game, shat on the fact that they liked baseball, right. and then 
didn't throw the ball back when it hit him in the head or whatever. I mean, it's like there is a a lesson to be learned too about like, you know, it's okay that you are smarter than all your classmates. You don't have to remind them about it. Right. Yeah, no, that is true. He's, he's sort of a dick. Like, I mean, he's like, I mean, I guess the sissy dickling. Ooh, hello. (laughs) Um, Um, it's like definitely a fun character, but it's for like, if that was like, Somebody, I guess, that you hung out with, you'd be like, oh, he's the guy that gives everybody shit and, like, is smart and, like... But that would be really annoying. <laughs> yeah, he was... They didn't emphasize enough that he had, like, zero friends or only made friends by putting on sassy puppet shows. Yes. He was I, kind of a, like, center of attention hog. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like... And maybe this is too stereotypical. Maybe the fans of this podcast are going to give me shit. But... <laughs> I think it would have made even a little like I think the the puppet show made sense, but I feel like if they hadn't made him like something a little bit more relatable as like different, if he was like did dancing or something like that, or something mm-hmm. that was just a little bit more of a signifier that like because everybody even ki- like the puppet show like I, everybody had puppet. I mean, it's the, not like to be honest, the voice and the walking was the the most like relatable part of it with the walking, like them just saying you walk funny and you right. talk funny. Yes. And sometimes they'd like, they would like be set. Like, they'd make the, their wing go like, f- like limp wrist. Right. If a wing has a wrist, they made sure of it. The metatarsals in the wing. Yeah. Can do that. And that was the only part that was like, I could feel like Craig and I watching it being like, yeah, that's something that we saw on the playground. That's something that people would make fun of each other. Yeah. For. Because listen, I had, I had a Peter Pan marionette set. <clears throat> so? Am yeah. I, am I a sissy? <laughs> no. I'm cool. You're cool. <laughs> I'm cool. Did, when you had friends over, did you insist that they watch you put on a play for them? No, I don't know. Actually, that was a weird one that I remember was like sort of a big deal because it was like a nice, I don't know how nice it sure. was, but it was like an Wooden. actual set like where you like I, what would they call it like it would look like a mini theater and then you yeah. have marionettes marionettes with them a diorama or yeah something. but yeah it was pretty cool but i i don't remember using it that often right which i feel bad now like if it was I, a nice gift it was probably a nice gift but i was really obsessed for a little while with disney the disney catalog so maybe that was yeah and every uh like there's i would say 50 percent of kids are like indoor kids yeah it doesn't I, make them sissies because they like reading or art yeah or no that's theater. true yeah and it also doesn't mean that they're necessarily picked on you know like it's sometimes cool like now especially now like if you're a kid who likes video games and yeah and you know you design your own sim world i have no idea what kids <laughs> do but like you can actually be very popular and it's those are like passive sissy intellectual kind right. of things but like this thing just are already feels like completely dated. Yeah. But no, you're right. Maybe like if he was in a, like a, like a jazz step class or something. Yeah. Hey man. But I think this was, it's so funny though too, because when I watch this, I'm like, it's so easy to see it from hindsight, like from my perspective now, I'm like, Oh, this guy, like he does puppets. Awesome. Like, of course he should be popular, you know, but when <laughs> you're like a kid, it's like, Oh, that is the weird thing. Like that's right. the, but when, aren't you like, whenever you see that now, a kid who like does any shows, any interest of anything that's out of the norm, you're like, good for that person. Right. Like, I hope my kid's a nerd. Yeah. I hope my kid has some weird. But then when you're going to be their parent, you're like, fuck, now I have to like talk to the other parents because like he's going to. Sh- like, so he's learning. Uh, he's learning magic. <laughs> <laughs> the gathering and magic. The magic. I took magic lessons after. I'm realizing as we're doing this, like I would be. Yeah, I'm totally this. This is a good movie. Then I'm glad I picked this uh, episode of fairy tales. Every fairy is unique. A person. Every yeah, or whatever the, it's the called. Nice and the fifty word title. It's called yeah. Happily Ever After Fairy Tales for Every Child. Every child, and it's cool. And I do think that like the heart of this series is good just to show like visibility and, you know, ethnic and racial visibility and sissy duckling is just on that kind of minority wheelhouse. Yeah. But the problem with it. (laughs) So did you do any um, other things that were sissy like when you were uh, a sissy? (laughs) (laughs) I, I did ballet because my sisters did it, but I only did it for a year. 
Now, and was I was, what year was that? I was probably still in preschool, but I wanted to do it. And yeah. I, and I um, have a video of me. Uh, I wasn't naturally very good at it, even though I had great posture and I combed my hair very well by myself. Which is one of ballet artists. Yeah. That, that's why the guy from the Balshoi was um, thrown acid, was thrown in his face, was because he wasn't combing his hair correctly. <laughs> but in the uh, the video, so I I can't tell if I remember this or just had seen the video. Sure. My sisters do ballet with the other uh, girls. I was the only boy in the class, which you know, and they did ballet around me, and I mostly stood on like a pedestal in like a sailor outfit and like made little saluting and. And stood with my hands on hips, so it was adorable. Oh, and thank you. and I, I don't think I was actually that good of a dancer. And I think the maybe the the ballet instructor didn't want to spend time teaching one boy a different routine. Mm-hmm. Instead of just letting me do the same routine, it was like, well, I didn't wear pink. I wore a white shirt with black shorts and black ballet shoes. That. They couldn't buy that in bulk, you know. I had a, they actually had umbrellas for the routine. And I do remember this. My sisters had pink umbrellas, and I had to have like a white umbrella. But I thought it was special, you know. Mm-hmm. But I only did it for um, like one year. Did you decide to give up, or and I, don't, I say give up and not because <laughs> you gave up on it? I could have been something special. I don't know. I was probably like four or five. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think I remember getting a lot of mixed attention for it, Mm -hmm. you know, just like opening on Christmas morning when I was like five opening like a She-Ra doll that I specifically asked for because she's He-Man's cousin (laughs) (laughs) and her powers were way cooler and she had like a cape and what were her powers? She had this, well, at least in the toy, she had this thing that stuck onto her back that was like a hologram sticker. Nice. And so that could spin and that represented her. She was the princess of power. Right. So that she had like lasers where He-Man just had like, he had a cool tiger, which I still have in my apartment to this day, a green tiger that Mm -hmm. he rode around. There's also a purple tiger that was like velvet. So all the He-Man toys were pretty gay. (laughs) (laughs) So I, but I do remember like ants visiting just for Christmas being like, now what'd you get there? And I'm like, it's She-Ra. She's part of the same universe. They're the masters of universe. Forget it. You know? Yeah. But I remember getting this kind of extra attention for having like a doll that was a girl. That's so funny. But they're all dolls. I mean, they're action and I was going to say, it's like when you said he, everyone in He-Man is gay, it's so true because it's like if you're a boy who has, it's just basically a shirtless bodybuilder <laughs> like with like rippling biceps and yeah. like, basically like S and M type, like <laughs> bondage, male bondage, stuff. like leather suspenders, a cod piece, a fur loincloth. Yeah. yeah. It was great. I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, the super bowl just happened and I was like, I mean, it, I always, when I watch something like that, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a football fan, but like, like it's weird because just so you guys know, uh, Craig has a huge, Dan Marino poster <laughs> on his apartment wall. Yeah, Dan, it's framed. <laughs> you could not have picked a football player that's further in the past. <laughs> that's a bit like the only. That's the only football. Wait, player. is he the one from Ace Ventura? Yeah, he is. That's how I know him. <laughs> <laughs> that's only reason I know him as. Well. Um, but yeah, it, watching the Super Bowl. But it's like I. I, t- I mean, this is going to sound again so lame, but I took an anthropology course in college, and he, my professor, like. He had one lecture that he did every year or once a semester, I guess, his class about American football and how mm. it's like very warlike and there's so many things that are, you know. It's modern day gladiators. Yeah, sure. exactly. Modern day gladiators. But I was watching the football, uh, the, the old football game. I was watching the uh, footballs getting passed around. But the 49ers, I, I think it must be a new thing this year, but did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. They don't wear cups anymore. So you could straight up see like the 49ers penises because at least the tip of the penis. Yeah. Because of the color of their pants, like with the Ravens, you couldn't because they're like black, Black. but you could straight up see like nuts and and, like dick. The Ravens uh, pants were black and they look like skinny jeans. All the Ravens seem like cool hipsters. Yeah. (laughs) But the, yeah, you're right. Like, and um, the party I was at, everyone was commenting on that. And we were like, and someone said, are they wearing a dance belt? 
are they wearing dance belts? They should get dance belts was kind of like the consensus is like somewhere between a cup and a jock strap is a dance belt, which is what ballet dancers Wait, what? I don't know what that. I don't. I guess the dance I don't belt what. is like a, a jock strap. It has like a thong type thing up the butt, but it lifts everything or what they call it. You dress up. So everything is like lifted up. So it's like kind of a round Ken doll smooth thing that's happening. It just pulls but then that your be, balls and your PP up towards your into like a ball of flesh, and then just oh. not up into your stomach area. No, but I mean like just up, like up into your fupa. Okay, but that that would be even more dangerous though for football probably because when they make it more. Oh yeah, but for just aesthetics, I'm oh, not for, saying. For, I'm saying okay. aesthetics. It wouldn't show the outline of the genitals. Right. Where like on the 49ers, you could see everything. Yeah, but I, it's like so funny because when we're talking about He-Man, that like the most aggressive manly thing, and you're just straight up watching dudes' penises the end. Yeah. <laughs> but and I, the commercials, there was like this Calvin Klein commercial that was just like the male form. It's so funny. One of my friends was trying to tell like a story while. <laughs> That was, well, that was on, and everybody was just like, huh? <laughs> just <laughs> watching like d- these dudes' biceps. Yeah, people – it's like football is making – professional sports is making people manorexic at this point because it's like everyone's in spandex, and you've got these like insane – Guys, what we're saying is – Issues and race, class, gender, sexuality, guys. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Issues, race, class. Anthropological. Football. Football. San Marino. Yep. Head injuries. Brain damage. Andy Dick. Oh, yeah. Andy Dick was in that movie. Oh, wait. You mean this movie? <laughs> the, the TV show we <laughs> yeah. just watched? Yes. Yeah. The Sissy Duckling. Yeah. Made for TV movie. I mean, I I I think he should have been main character. I and I, But yeah. I do like that. I, I, great cast. A lot of uh, LGBT. Sure. In there. Kathy and Jimmy. Is Always she, great. Is she, a, is she a lesbo? I don't know. She seems... Is that politically incorrect for me to say lesbo? Lesbo? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let the commenters decide. Are there commenters to Oh, this? no. there's Nobody's going to comment. If you'd like to comment, email brian at brian at email.com. Sure. Uh, there's... Yeah, there are a lot of people in this that... I mean, the 90s were at least historically very, like, gay, right? And then the 2000s were kind of like a plateau, and then now we're having another kind of gay decade with like actual civil rights and marriage mm-hmm. equality and things like that. But the 90s had like, I mean, Melissa Etheridge was a famous lesbian. Yeah. You know, Ellen DeGeneres was on the cover of People magazine, you yeah. know, like Elton John was a multimillionaire, you know, and he was openly gay. And, you know, so. And I think Harvey Firestein was from his Wikipedia one of the first. I guess actors to like openly be gay, like to yeah. to be you know totally out about it, and, yeah, and to identify himself very strongly with it, with the cause, right? And when he was editing his own Wikipedia page, I'm sure he was like, Harvey Firestein burst through the closet door, letting so many people walk <laughs> through behind him. I'm so hot. <laughs> I'm unique. God, he was so good in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. What's your favorite scene from Mrs. Doubtfire? Um, probably the drive-by fruiting. Drive-by fruiting. <laughs> we well, we were at <laughs> we were out to dinner the other night at a bar, and it was on the D, on the TVs playing in the background. Yep, and we all stopped to watch just that scene, and I even told the women at the table next to us that it was that scene. It was great. Uh, Pierce Brosnan in a bathing suit, slick back hair. Robin Williams, head to toe covered. Uh, it's great. Something that watching that movie reminds me is that like people sometimes when they go drag for Halloween and this is, we're getting on a real tangent here. No, that's fine. Um, they think they should show more skin to be like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a lady. I'm going to wear a bikini, but actually it just reveals more that you're a biological male. Mm -hmm. So the more you actually cover up the better. So you should wear like head to toe, be Arthur, Golden Girls, get up if you actually want to look like a woman. Yeah, guys. Guys, <laughs> your Halloween costumes suck. Straight you can't up. just wear a dress. You can't just wear a Stuff dress. Stuff your bra. Wear a straight up Be Arthur outfit. Wear yeah. a pantsuit. Be, be Hillary Clinton or <laughs> um, Merkel. Um, 
<laughs> really great shout out to the European Union. <laughs> you, you have to wear, you can't show your body. Yeah, it's it's a giveaway. It's a giveaway. I I mean, uh, and don't wear because Robin Williams really does look like a woman in that movie with the help of Harvey Firestein's character. I agree. I think he he's great in it. He's a true talent. Speaking of weird trans, uh, sorry, I should finish that sentence. <laughs> Speaking of weird, like cross, like gender bending, or did you see Cloud Atlas? I did. And the Cloud Atlas, like probably the most remarkable thing about it is that they have the the multi-culti cast back to this kind of night. By the way, I've never heard the term multi-culti until today and you used it twice. Uh, multicultural, it. diverse. No, say multi-culti. Multi-culti. It's very like Coca-Cola. Right. United Colors of Benetton. Like, we got to get a brown face on this college admissions photo. <laughs> um, so Cloud Atlas has this diverse cast and they all play different races in it, yes. except for a few of them. But like there's a uh, an Asian actress and she plays at one point like a southern debutante from like the 1800s. Yes. Like a slave owner's daughter. Yes. And for about 50% of it, the makeup is fascinating and cool. Yes. It feels like Hollywood at its best. For the other 50%, it's the strangest. It's really weird. It's I mean, really weird. I here's the thing is like you can do a lot with makeup. But yeah. there's some things you just can't do. Like Holly Berry doesn't look like a white dude or whatever. You know, like they try to do like some of the stuff. Yeah. Like it just takes you totally out of it. And I wonder because Tom Hanks, I don't think plays non-white in that movie. I wonder if he was like, I'll do this movie Wachowski siblings and run Lola run director. As long as I don't play non-white because I think it, I think he could smell that that would probably look really stupid. I mean, it did. Like, it really did at some points. And it, the movie, yeah. I can't... Re- I mean, I I read the book before I saw it because yeah. I like reading the book before the movie mm. um, and in general. And and you like comic books? It wasn't it a comic a, book. It's not a comic book. No. Oh. <laughs> you ignoramus. <laughs> um, See what I mean about sissies being bullies? <laughs> and uh, But I can't believe that movie was made. I cannot believe it. Can you believe it was made for a hundred million dollars? I know, man. Like that was a cra- like watching that movie. I was like, first of all, it's not a great movie. It's not bad. It's just not great. There are yeah. cool moments in it, but it's not a. It's not a. If you're going to spend that much movie money, it's not going to be a blockbuster. Wouldn't you say the casting gimmicks and the makeup and all of that is pretty much it? The only reason to see it, and yes, and it's a bit of a they they go they go for the rafters. Is yeah, the, and they they, no, they they shoot for the stars, but fall on their butts sometimes in their spaceships. The perfect metaphor. <laughs> but yeah, it's like that's kind of the reason to see it is this kind of like post racial yeah. spectacle of like, oh, we can make this British guy Hugh Grant's in it. He plays a million terrible characters in it. He's the worst part of the movie. <laughs> um, but you know, and it takes place over like a thousand years. And yeah. And it's three. It's like over three hours. It's like I, I don't know what they were thinking. Oh yeah, did you do you remember that Susan Sarandon's in this movie? Remind me. She's a couple of side characters, but she's in it too. Like it's just yeah. like um, it's all over the place. But I think it's it's kind of like back to this original source. It if you put the cart before the horse, if you put the message yes. before the story, people. Not only is it just bad storytelling, but people can feel it. And it cheapens the actual, you know, social message that might get across. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's, you, you just said it perfectly, but like, you can't start with the message. Like, yeah. and you have to start with the, like, that's why there are moments of the show that we watched that were notable and like good was when it was just the human thing of like, the father, because that's a relationship. Being embarrassed about can, the son, yeah, because yeah, you can just relate to it. We all have dads, and you yeah. can imagine what that would be like if you're like yeah. disowned or whatever. But when you're putting the message of like, I'm so hot, or like ham handedly adding these things, snowflakes are different and unique. But you already knew that, but now they're even more so. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it just, it doesn't. And same thing with Cloud Atlas. It's like every 10 minutes, they were like, by the way, everyone's connected. Everyone's the same. We're, we're 
all the same. Our blood's the same color. We have the same comet tattoo. Yeah, when the, when you have to say it over and over and over again, it starts to become like we get it. Hilarious, <laughs> hilariously bad in a bad way. That's not good. It's bad. You idiots. We're better than you. Yeah. Identity politics. And on that note, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, that's the only time identity politics has been brought up in the in the podcast. But um, well, thanks so much, Brian, for yeah. bringing this um, the sissy duckling. Sure. And watching it with me. It was a pleasure. And, and yeah, thank you for having me. And can I um, say goodbye as Harvey Firestein? Yeah, it's your time takes time. So do you, it's do you, my t- what? It's your, you, this is now your time takes time. Okay. I just want to thank you for having me in your apartment. I love your throw pillows, by the way. I love you. Do you mind if I take this throw pillow? Please leave. <laughs> Please get out now. Is it because I'm different? Unique. Oh, wait, wait. As we end this, I just have to say the way end of the episode is him literally yelling at the camera, I'm unique. And he looks like a demonic duck. It is terrifying. <laughs> Thank you very much for being here, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to It's That Episode. If you're a fan of the show, if you're a listener and you're listening to this currently, uh, become a fan on Facebook, uh, facebook.com, I believe it's slash It's That Episode podcast, or just search It's That Episode, and uh, leave a comment or a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with even more listening to me doing TV watching with a guest. All right. Have a great night and an early mañana. Adios, amigos.